for me, the, the purpose of the content uh, has always been to sell. Like, of course, it is to bring users and to, you know, increase the awareness. But ultimately, my KPIs, the KPIs of my team are connected to the revenue, right? So we need to really think, okay, what do people actually want to read about that will make them buy? We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Kassiotis, and today I'm very happy and excited to be joined by Kas Satovic. Kas is the head of organic growth at V7 and has attended Reforge. She's currently focused on growing V7's traffic, leads, users, and team members. We are connected for a while on LinkedIn, and I'm very excited to you know, finally get to, to talk to you. Uh, welcome, Kas. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invite. So let's get started with the question I always, you know, uh, ask uh, someone, uh, anyone who joins the, the podcast. Uh, could you please share a few things about your background? Sure. So I started in SEO in content a couple of years ago when I joined a company called Nightwatch. It was an, an SEO tool. I was mostly responsible for the blog, for link building, for social media as well, because back in the time, you know, the startup life where you kind of wear a lot of the hats. Uh, then I moved on to Tidio, where I was uh, an outreach lead. So I was mostly responsible for link building and also a little bit uh, involved in content marketing. Uh, and then right now I am uh, head of organic growth, as you mentioned, at V7, which is a computer vision platform. For people who may haven't heard of V7, could you please share a couple of things about the company and its products? Sure. I'm probably the, the biggest ambassador of the company. Um, so yeah, V7 is a, is a training data platform and essentially we help uh, machine learning teams, the AI-first companies build their, their computer vision uh, products. So we work uh, with companies in all industries spanning, you know, healthcare, manufacturing, agriculture, literally any kind of industry insurance. And do you want me to explain how V7 works for, for people that might not be familiar? Sure, sure. Sure. So I always give it, uh, there's an example that I made um, when I was describing and trying to explain V7 to my parents. So essentially we have a platform and imagine that you're Elon Musk and you have your Tesla, right? And you want your Tesla to be a self-driving car. 
And for that to happen, your Tesla needs to learn to recognize things in the street. So it needs to learn to recognize pedestrians, it needs to learn to recognize traffic signs and traffic lights. So uh, in order to do that, you need to upload um, loads of data, like thousands and thousands of images and videos that you can upload to V7, annotate this data, and then train your computer vision model to be able to recognize those things, put it back to your Tesla, and there you go, you have your self-driving car. Of course, this is a, you know, oversimplification, and we actually don't work, ironically, that much with, uh, with um, autonomous um, driving, but this is, you know, one of the best ways to, to probably explain it. Okay. You were previously at Tidio, and I know that you, you did a great job there when it comes to outreach and organic growth in general. Could you please share like some learnings that you have taken from your work and time at TDO and applied to V7? Sure. Yeah, TDO, um, amazing company, first of all, uh, really great people. We had an awesome contents team. And I think the thing that TDO did really well was really setting up the systems for the content. So they had a very scientific approach to, to creating content. And that goes, you know, from doing the keyword research um, that not only, um, you know, is, is a regular keyword research, but actually when you come up with topics, it had literally a dollar value assigned to them. So we were able to more or less forecast, you know, how much, how many leads, how much money we'll be able to make um, based on, on, on the keywords or the, the given topics that we're thinking about. So, Tidio was very good with uh, with setting up systems. They they set up pretty great systems for you know building a, what we called content map. They set up pretty good systems for for outreach. I was part of setting up those systems for outreach. One of the very interesting things that I learned because I was leading outreach there uh, for a while was how to work with something that we called you know digital PR content. So essentially creating. Um, link-worthy pieces of content, you know, and whether that would be reports or that would be some sort of statistics that, first of all, you would, um, you know, share with uh, with relevant blogs, with relevant people that would link um, to, this, to this piece of content uh, in their blog post. And it would also uh, collect links passively just because, you know, if uh, just an example, for instance, of an article called Chatbot Statistics that was just passively collecting links because everyone writing about chatbots to make their articles more credible, they wanted to mention some sort of statistics. And because our article was chatbot statistics, where we ran a study and you know we actually had numbers and, and it was like sort of a case study, um, it was ranking very high in Google. Everyone writing any other article related to chatbots was using our stats to make their articles more credible. What that means to us, of course, is you know, a lot of the links, then this links just that we could pass from the chatbot statistic article to other articles that, uh, that were relevant to us. So a lot of learning there, yeah, about systems and about, about digital PR for sure. How would that apply, especially the digital PR part to, to V7? I mean, how, how do you, um, how did you integrate that into your strategy? Yeah, so the digital PR part is a little bit harder at V7. And so maybe I'll mention one more thing that I learned at Tidio that I actually brought to V7. So one other thing that, that I learned, and I don't think that's very common, so I, I think there might be I might be revealing a bit of a secret, is something that we call the EDU outreach. So trying to reach out and also the Gov outreach. So essentially what it means is that we are trying to reach out to universities and we are trying to get those links 
from university websites and also the gov websites but i'm going to focus on universities here um, and the way we do that right now at v7 for instance and i'm revealing a big secret here is that we've built a linkable asset and this asset is our repository of data sets so we have something called open data sets and because we know and because we have an educational plan so we know that there's a lot of interest in our tool from people currently studying machine learning currently studying um you know any subjects related to to computer to computers to to artificial intelligence so we are able to reach out to universities that have those programs related to computer vision, for instance, to machine learning, and we tell them, hey, we have this really cool asset, it's a repository of data sets, and your students are really interested in our tool, and everyone who wants to do something related to computer vision needs data sets. Would you want to link uh, in your resource page uh, on, on your university website to this, um, to this page, you know? So this brought us a lot of the links and because those links are very valuable because they're coming from very credible, credible websites, it really helped us grow our DR almost doing no other link building at all. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one example of that. That's interesting. That's very interesting. I haven't, uh, as, like as far as I can remember, I haven't heard anything uh, similar in the past. One thing I was, you know, thinking as, like I was preparing for this interview was the fact that at least as I perceive it, V7 operates in a relatively new space. Okay. I don't want to call it category. Let's say <laughs> relatively new space. Okay. So my question is how do you approach organic growth considering that, for example, people may not, the way people search may not have been developed yet. <clears throat> I would like to hear your, like your approach. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a journey. It's been a real journey because when I was joining, um, it was hard because we didn't have many competitors that were doing SEO well. So for me, it was really the matter of trying to figure things out on my own. Like I couldn't just check, you know, at Tidio, for instance, I could check, hey, what is Drift doing? Hey, what is like Georgia's doing? You know, all those other live chat companies that already that already were there um, doing stuff. I could just, you know, sort of copy their strategies. Uh, at V7, it was a little bit more um, difficult. And as you say, it was, a, it was a new space. It was really hard to find writers. I had to actually go to Medium to, to find writers and to find people that were either machine learning engineers years or students um, that could you know help me write um, this content our strategy to start with something that I, I was really focused on was the volume I was like I am not sure yet what people are really looking for <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to you know our tool because the space was not very well defined um, so I just focused on, on on keywords that had you know the highest search volume I was checking some blocks like personal blocks more than competitors blocks uh, related to machine learning and we just um, developed you know a bunch of a bunch of articles more of the educational content Content, thinking that hey if we bring those people for those keywords that have very large search volume you know to educational content so we are writing you know about uh, object detection or semantic segmentation all those like phrases that are connected to the tool but you know um, is just still more educational but I knew that once I build this traction and people realize okay v7 mm, semantic segmentation mm, computer vision like sort of something connects we'll be able to you know convert them from those pages going forward so focus on the educational content 
Um, when I was joining, uh, we had 3,500 people coming. There was no blog on V7. They just had landing pages. They were not optimized um, at all. We started the blog in the first week and within 11 months, thanks to, um, to the hard work of our writers, of our freelance writers, I think there were like six or seven of them at some point, we managed to scale it to more than 80,000 organic visitors. Right now we have over 150,000 visitors, so less than two years um, after I started. That's impressive. Really well done. Can I ask though, I mean, in the beginning when you joined two years, almost two years ago, I assume that you had little to no idea, let's say, when it comes to computer vision and all these things that V7 does. My question is, how did the, the content creation process work? I mean, did you prepare the brief, then the writer whom you like found on Medium, for example, and you know that this person knows their stuff, wrote the content? And then my question is, who kind of edited this? piece of content and like kind of could put the, the final signature and say, this is ready. We can publish it on our website. Yeah. So I'm very lucky in a way that um, the V7 team, when I was joining, was very small. So I was joining as a ninth person and everyone was extremely nice and everyone was extremely smart. So I was like, okay, I'll be fine. So the way it works for the first six months was that I was First of all, finding writers, sending those um, the pieces of uh, that those writers produce to our deep learning engineer uh, and our CEO, who are basically like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. This guy doesn't really know what he's talking about. Whereas sometimes getting on the call just to understand whether the person that I found is actually capable of writing about those topics. Then I was preparing the briefs. So I was preparing all the outlines. I was using Surfer SEO for it. And I was actually, of course, researching the content that was already there. There was not much. <laughs> there was really not much. And trying to basically make our pieces more comprehensive. I think that's, um, that's you know, a standard practice, basically see what's out there and make your content better, like include everything that's already out there and then add, you know, a twist to this or add some additional information to make it better. Uh, I was sending the, the outline to the writers. They were writing it. They were sending it back. I was the person actually editing all of that and putting it to Webflow. But I was also sharing that with our deep learning engineers. I was sharing that with our CEO. Uh, and they were, you know, kind of doing this sense check whether the person that, um, that wrote the article wrote it correctly. It took six months, uh, within six months, and I didn't believe them when they told me at first, I started to understand things more. Of course, there are still a bunch of you know technical stuff that I, I really don't understand, but I think it's been a really nice journey because I learned so much just about this about this world, you know, uh, about the space just through editing those articles, you know, like at first you're like, you don't know what are autoencoders after six months or after, you know, three articles where you read about autoencoders, you're like, okay, I can have a, you know, a conversation at the machine learning conference about autoencoders. And like, I'm not going to sound completely stupid, you know? So that's how it went. So it seems to me that uh, it sounds like the whole company was invested in that effort, right? Totally. Totally. Everyone was, everyone was on board. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. They were very, very helpful and very kind and very patient with me on that. Can I ask you, like you mentioned that uh, when you started, there was like little to no kind of content or let's say good content that's created for a search audience. And at the same time, it's, you know, scientifically, uh, let's say, uh, approved and reviewed and so on. What has changed now to your zine? Do you see... Yeah you know, like 
search engine results pages more saturated competition kind of through the path that you have managed to uh, to lead and and so they are like okay these guys are doing it like that maybe we should start doing something similar what are the changes that you notice absolutely i'll tell you i'll tell you two things so first of all there is definitely more content i think our competitors when i was starting they were completely not doing seo like when i was checking hrs it took us maybe you know six months to overtake every single one of them with a much smaller team much smaller budget just because i think they didn't invest in seo right now i can see that they invest more and more in this sort of educational content as well they optimize their things because we are, we are monitoring everything uh it got so far as to the point where they actually copying some of our things like our competitor pages which was you know a discovery we made um, a few weeks ago which was kind of funny however um the thing about this space is also that literally every single year sometimes even every half a year you actually have new topics to write about that you wouldn't know existed six months ago and that's because you know people keep developing new algorithms you know like we had dali we had mid journey for instance you know about AI generated art so there are more ideas coming literally every single conference however I think right now we are at the point where we are attracting more than 150,000 uh, organic users. I think it's 180K overall users every month to the page. And we are running out of topics. You know, this never happened to me in, in any other company. And this makes me also realize that we need to sort of evolve a little bit more towards thought leadership content and not so much, you know, continuing with this educational content because we are sort of moving further and further away from the core value that the tool provides and it's very hard to connect those educational articles anymore with you know with what v7 does and for me the the purpose of the content uh has always been to sell like of course it is to bring users into to you know um increase the awareness but ultimately my kpis the kpis of my team are connected to the revenue right so we need to really think okay what do people actually want to read about that will make them buy so yeah i think the whole space will be moving and has already been in this like more thought leadership um content speaking of roi can i ask you of course whatever you you feel comfortable and can can share but obviously these results are impressive you know from 3500 to more than 100 like 50000 visits per month it's it's impressive by its own but my question is do you see a correlation between or you know, uh, you may you may tell me that no, it's it's revenue directly attributed to to our efforts. But is there a correlation between what you do and this organic growth with revenue growth, like you know, actual business outcomes? Of course, of course. So organic is currently the the channel that brings us the most leads, the most like sales qualified leads. However, um. There is a difference between the way it works, for instance, with SaaS companies like Tidio and the SaaS companies like V7. And that purely comes from the fact that the, that the cycle of buying things, the life cycle is much longer at V7 than it is at Tidio, you know. Um, Tidio that had, you know, a free product where you can literally click a button inside the, the article, you know, create your own account, get your live chat, get your chatbot set up, you know, within 15 minutes, that's it, you know. And there we really focused on getting content. As I mentioned, there was a dollar value literally attached to you know every single piece of content because it was very immediate like we knew that okay if we write the right thing we we know that people should click if we don't write the right thing people won't click right and it was very simple like 
do they click? Do they not click? At V7, it's a little bit different. And we prefer to think about this, you know, the, the revenue and the leads that are coming in, that it's it's way more multi-touch rather than rather than first touch or or the last touch uh, model attribution. And it's more like, you know, organic assisted, um, you know, revenue, organic assisted leads or like marketing assisted leads, right? Because because of the prices of, of our software, it's very hard to expect expect people to like, you know, read one article and be like, hey, I want this platform that's, you know, um, costs more than, than $5,000 um, or whatever. Um, it's just not, it's just not working this way. But yeah, absolutely. It's bringing us a lot of the leads. It's, you know, increasing the awareness. And as we say, um, it's sort of like marketing assisted um, revenue. Do you see any other differences between the audiences? I mean, I don't know if I got this right by, you know, doing the, the research for this episode, but are, is one of the audiences you're targeting ML sci- scientists or or no? Yeah. Yeah, okay. so we we have a we have a very smart audience. A lot of people with uh, with PhDs. Uh, we target uh, we target machine learning engineers. We target data scientists. But also, we right now with this you know thought leadership content and more product content, we're going towards like CTOs, uh, head of products. So not just people in the machine learning world. We're going a little bit broader. Um, but with the content that we wrote on the blog and content that we wrote up until this point, it was m- m- mainly <laughs> machine learning engineers. And uh, and data scientists. But do you see any differences between this audience now and, for example, tedious audience? That, for example, now we we need to be more um, like low context and be very specific with the things that we yes. say. And even in sales calls, we have to explain everything because these people dig deep and so on and so forth. As opposed to tedio, where we had to kind of sell the dream that. Like this will work on your website and you it will make you money as you sleep and so on and so forth. Uh, any differences that you can share? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, massive, massive differences. Like the audience that we are um, targeting now is super smart. They want to be very technical. I am very mindful of the things that we put on our blog because I know this will be called out. Like I just know that if, if you know, something is, let's say, technically incorrect, like that would be called out and rightly so, right? Like we need to make sure that the content that we that we produce is, is right. Um, yeah, it's a little bit different. For instance, um, I can't do programmatic SEO for 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 V7. You know, I know it's working wonderfully for a lot of the companies. For instance, I don't know if you, you spoke previously or you know of Emilia Kurczynska, who is the head of marketing at, at UserPilot. I know that she's doing a lot of the programmatic SEO. I know programmatic SEO has been, you know, a thing for the last few years. I can't do this. Like it just will not work with this with this um, sort of the audience because our pieces need to be very very refined, and we really cannot write things just for search engines. Like you know, we can optimize the things that we write, but it's always written you know with this very scientific approach and a lot of technical details. And as you mentioned, like with calls, um, it's exactly the same. I do case study calls as well. And I, I had to really learn a lot about the product. I always have to learn a lot about the use case to understand because the people I'm talking to is no longer, you know, Kelly from Ohio selling shoes who needs a, a live chat, you know, and she needs it today. And like, she just needs to, you know, understand how to ins- install it. I'm talking to, you know, um, doctors. I'm talking to, to radiologists. I'm talking to digital pathologists. I'm talking to like, you know, machine learning engineers. So people that really, um, yeah, really smart people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got it. Um, not to say that Kelly, you know, from Ohio is not smart, but you yeah, know, it's a of course, level of, of course, <laughs> of course, it's a it's, it's a different 
it's a different case. I mean, it's a different audience. Yeah, of course. Uh, but going back to that, I, I would like to to ask. I guess that with most, or let's say not most, many SaaS companies, like the use cases are very easy to explain. And on a from a search standpoint, it's easy to say, for example, I want a, a live chat tool or software for my website or whatever. Okay. Is that the case with V7? And it, I mean, are there like um, opportunities for feature pages, use case pages, you know, you can call them however you like, or do you approach it completely different? It's purely through content. And then, you know, we uh, kind of develop a relationship with our audience and so on. Um, I mean, you know, the software is one, right? Like you can do more things with the software than, than, you know, just like having a live chat and that's sort of your product. And for instance, the way we see it right now is that on V7, you can label your data uh, and you can train your models, right? And then you can improve your models. So these are sort of like the three, you know, value props that that we have and or the things that you can do on, on the platform in a very like simplified uh, version of it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what, what you're asking, but yeah, we do have feature pages and we do have, you know, industry pages. So uh, we have, I think right now, 13 industry pages. And as I mentioned, it's, you know, goes from healthcare, from manufacturing, agriculture, because we also know that, you know, when I'm doing paid ads, for instance, and I'm, I got a target uh, accounts list from, from our sales team, me sending them to just a generic page, if I know that these companies are, you know, specifically in the agriculture space or they're specifically in the healthcare space, like it's just a good practice to, you know, naturally send them to like a healthcare industry page because we have different features. Of course, there's, you know, different features for, for different use cases. You know, for instance, we're developing right now um, our medical features and, you know, that's something that should be obviously highlighted in the in, in, on the industry page, you know, and that's where I'm going to send people in the healthcare um, industry to. Um, when it comes to actual features feature pages we just you know unified it we have just the feature pages on on the website and then industry pages and then use case pages that we also use for the events um you know whenever we go to like a specific event like a healthcare uh, conference healthcare technology conference we just create a separate page where we send people to where we put ads on and then it's like super personalized to the specific to the specific audience yeah that's that's kind of what i i asked i mean and I think that you you answered that. I'm assuming that there are people who are actually searching for things like healthcare computer vision software exactly. or healthcare segmentation software or anything in that in that you know uh, in that okay. space. You you talked a bit about earlier about what you can and you can't do, and I would like to to ask: Is generative content or AI content, let's say? something that you you do or like this is we can't touch that and the follow-up to that would be your thoughts in general when it comes to generative ai and all this craziness around chat cpt sure so actually when you and i were scheduling this conversation that was before chat gpt was launched and i was thinking that one of the the things that i can share um, that i thought would be a novelty back then would be the fact that we were 
even before ChatGPT, using the, the OpenAI, we're using the DaVinci model to help us create content, right? So we're sort of doing that before it was cool. Uh, of course, there are also tools like, you know, Surfer SEO that helps you, for instance, write briefs and, and they are AI powered and so on. Um, and to, to, to give you a short answer, yes, we do use um, AI-generated content. It's not fully AI-generated. I use it more, I think about it more as an AI assistant, more than, you know, something that I just produce and like, you know, I can't write articles basically with, with you know, ChatGPT, but I can, you know, help myself with writing case studies. I can help myself with, uh, with landing pages copy. So we do use it on, on a daily basis. Um, and I think it's great, as I say, like, I think it's a, it's a huge help for, for marketers. I don't think it's something that will replace marketers, but I do think that's something that will really help them in their, in their job. I'm the best example. I used to love writing. I feel like I got burned out after maybe three years of, you know, working in content. And for the last three years, like I, I just, I really don't like writing content anymore. It's a struggle, you know, it's a struggle to sit down and write content. So I like for me, it's a blessing, you know, that we have those tools and that I can just put my ideas there, you know, edit it a little bit, and then it's just going to, you know, produce a perfect version of a of a copy for the landing page. But it it has to be fact checked and uh, like for accuracy and if everything is as it should be. Sure. So we don't use that for for technical content. I wouldn't use it at all for like you know writing about research papers or writing about some computer vision con uh, concept. We do use it more for the copy for the landing pages. You know, so something that's a little bit more generic. Like, hey, how can we make this copy more converting? How can we make it sound a little bit more natural? And of course, we give it examples. You know, we use it for ads as well. I think this is a really good example of of um, of how you can use it, like ads. You know, because it's simple piece of content. You need a couple of versions of the same ad. You know, how would AI write it differently so that you can have you know different copies and write ads in like you know 20 minutes and not two hours. Yeah, and also with ads, it's like, you know what, this ad doesn't work. Let's just shut it down. Like doesn't doesn't isn't worth it. Okay. Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah, there there are definitely use cases, and I see the use cases there. Um one thing I I I I liked in your blog post is the CTA with a GIF that shows how your product works. My question is, do you map this CTA to specific pages based on the intent or is it something you can, you know, just add to every post regardless mm -hmm. of the intent? Yeah, so I'll give you a little bit of background to it because this is actually the practice that I also learned at TDO. Uh, and they learned it from another company that's a, that was a resume company called Zeti. And this is just a very good practice that I think uh, any sort of, you know, um, person in content marketing should learn, especially people responsible for the blogs, where you essentially try to convert people almost right away in the intro, right? So the way Zeti did it, so this resume company was that they had literally the bad resume on the on the left side and the great resume on the on the on the right side right and they were just giving this comparison and then they had this button you know like hey if you want to have this resume on the right side you know click here we did the same thing at Tidio and then I brought it here to to V7 uh, we try to personalize them. We're actually right now in the process of trying to personalize them for every piece of content. It's probably you know, not going to be every single piece of content because we have like 90 articles, but it's going to be more relevant to the piece of content that are there. It's just sort of copy, copy paste in Webflow uh, with a bit of code that we, can, that we can implement. Okay, that makes sense. And we will make sure to drop um, a, a link, let's say to one of these blog posts in the show notes so that people can actually see how how that looks like so as 
you know, we will start wrapping things up. Uh, Cass, I, I have, you know, one, one last question for you. Do you have any, like, favorite examples of SaaS companies that get content marketing and SEO right? Or does something innovative, something that, you know, we don't see very often? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's been mentioned already. Um, there was a really great... Twitter thread that was going viral maybe a year ago or something. I still didn't get to, to do the things that they've done, but it was about Zapier and it was about their content and SEO strategy. And essentially, the, the, in a nutshell, what they've done is that they sort, sort of outsource the effort of creating content to their partners, right? Because Zapier is, you know, the thing that, that you know, a lot of the integrations are, <laughs> are made with Zapier. And essentially what they did, and I think this is maybe goes under the, the category of the, of the programmatic SEO, but they essentially started creating those pages with integrations. And obviously uh, it uses the brand's name of those other integrations, right? So they just build themselves, you know, a great, you know, strategy for trying to rank not only for their brand keyword, but for the brand keyword of every other integration they have, you know, be it HubSpot, ClickUp, whatever else they, they have, you know, integrations with. And I thought this was just great because all they did was, from what I understand, it was prepare those guidelines and sort of prepare those templates for the partners and be like, hey guys, if you want to be, you know, partners to, to Zapier, you need to write an article about, you know, how this all integrates. And I thought this was just Great. And I'm really hoping to do something similar uh, for V7 with, you know, whenever we're going to start integrating with, with other partners. Okay. When you do, I would like to, to have a, <laughs> a follow-up discussion with you to, to, to chat <laughs> we'll about do. it. I'll send, you the, I'll send you the Twitter thread as well because I think it's, um, it's incredible. Yeah, it would be nice to, to add this in the show notes as well. So we uh, that was all very insightful. Thank you very much, Cass. Always, uh, like, always great to chat with you and uh, learn how you do things. Last question I have for you, where can people find out more and, uh, you know, get in touch? Sure. So I'm most active on LinkedIn. And by the way, we are hiring. I'm hiring another content manager. So I'm just going to plug in, you know, shameless plug of a bit of a, um, you know, career opportunity promotion. Um, so yeah, you can find me on, on LinkedIn. I'm most active there or just send me an email. Okay. That's great. We will put all these links in the show notes. Cass, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invite, George. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part. You can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.